Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Central. How you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio with all the latest in tech from around Ireland and indeed this little planet we call Earth. However, you got our show today by downloading from our website at techcentral.ie using a smartphone podcast app on your phone or listening on DAB Digital Radio with RT Radio 1 Extra. Thank you for turning us on. Joining me as always is Editor-in-Chief of Tech Central, Niall Kitson, to chat about the uh, stories that have been catching our attention this week, including uh, Netflix, uh, Samsung, up to some very dodgy updates. Uh, BlackBerry making some headlines as well, the FBI. But let's start off now with Facebook's F8 conference. What do you think was the big thing you were taking away from what Mark Zuckerberg had to tell the world? Yeah, well, there's a couple of things at F8 this year. I mean, uh, last week we had, we had Build and Microsoft laid out their vision of the future. Uh, this week at F8, um, Mark Zuckerberg laid out the 10-year plan for Facebook, what he sees as being the, the big things. So one of them was uh, he, he hasn't given up on the idea of delivering uh, Wi-Fi and the internet to the developing world, which is good news for a lot of people. So he's still um, sticking to his Aquila um, Wi-Fi plane plan, which is basically a solar-powered drone that would go around delivering um, connectivity. Uh, they're also planning on launching a satellite uh, with pretty much the same function in mind, which is kind of interesting. Um, this also means that free basics will, will be rolling out in, uh, in more countries. Um, we all know that free basics fell, fell of um, regulators in India mm. to, for basically being a walled garden and preventing uh, competition from just just anyone being able to code apps for it. Now, but, can uh, I can I just you know, can I, so as I get my understanding completely one hundred percent on this, you know, kind of because you think free internet will be fantastic, but what they were offering was Facebook version of free internet, where Facebook will control what you can access on this free internet. So everybody else who uses the internet and wants to do commerce on the internet in India went, well, hang on a minute, that means if everybody signs up for the free internet from Facebook, we won't get a look in. Yeah, exactly. That that's exactly what happened and the upshot of that decision was probably good for well it definitely was good from a net net neutrality perspective because everybody should have free and open access to any any sort of service on the internet really uh whereas free basics was a pared down experience designed to work on low Mm. bandwidth networks so facebook were, were able to come and say well look we've actually developed this thing that suits your infrastructure uh, whereas the court said, actually, no, we, we, we think that our infrastructure is much, it's going to be much better. Therefore, we should have the, the same internet for everyone. Anyway, so um, that's the connectivity end of things they were looking at. He was also looking at um, AI, uh, in particular chatbots, and we'll talk about bots in various shape, or form, uh, shape hmm. and forms later. He was also talking about Oculus. And uh, his view for how social is going to integrate with uh, virtual reality. And again, he's really doubled down on this. And he reckons in the future, things that we have as physical objects will now just be low-cost apps through, uh, through virtual reality. So, say, television, no, forget about broadcast TV. You will just have to buy, you know, the RTE app or the TV3 app versus uh, over... Um, uh, virtual reality, and that is it. That is television done. Um, it's kind of interesting. I mean, mm. he sees um, the future of Oculus as very much being just like putting on a regular pair of glasses, uh, which I think is is the natural end point. Although I do think that the headsets in their current form do look kind of funky. I'm not ready to give up on them just yet. 
So those were kind of the main things that came out of it. Mm. There, there was also a couple of nice things showing up. Uh, there was a, a virtual reality selfie stick, uh, and there was also a 360-degree camera. Uh, so, you know, nice nice little things. Well, there I have to say, I had a look at the, uh, uh, the video uh, presentation of that with virtual reality and meeting, meeting your friends in it, and the best way I can describe it is, you know, we have the 360 view that we're all used to now from Street View on Google Maps, it was essentially one of those. And then you have your own avatar in there, in that picture, and your friend's avatar in there, and you're able to talk to each other. It's it's kind of like a bit, wow, this is blowing my mind a little bit. But we'll talk about that more uh, because we're going to talk about robots later on in the show. Tell me about the uh, the FBI and their friends in Israel, I believe, aren't the ones that hacked that famous iPhone. Yeah, contrary to our speculation last week about uh, what was going to happen with the San Bernardino, famous San Bernardino iPhone 5C, um, the feds did manage to crack it. Uh, we all speculated at the time that it was an Israeli company called Cellbrite um, that helped them because they had actually stepped forward and said, look, we can help you do this. Uh, and now it turns out, uh, according to a report in the Washington Post, that that wasn't the case, that it was actually a, a group of hackers within America were paid a one-time fee to... Uh, uncover an exploit in iOS 9 as it ran on the iPhone 5C. Uh, the FBI were then able to develop a piece of hardware that uh, successfully cracked the phone. Bear in mind, it wasn't the fact that there was a four-digit passcode on the phone. Uh, apparently, the FBI could crack that in 26 minutes if they wanted to. Well, it Problem, would actually take them 26 minutes. <laughs> well, that is, you know, w- without part two. If The second part, of course, is that if you don't get it right after 10 goes, it wipes the phone. Yeah. And that was really the problem. Yeah. Um, but they were able to develop a hardware that circum- a piece of hardware that circumvented that. And uh, what's more, because it didn't go through the court system, um, they don't actually have to disclose to Apple that how they did it. So yeah. Apple, naturally enough, are kind of, uh, kind of angry over that because how else are they to keep their platform secure if um, the uh, feds know how to crack it? Yeah, well, I'm sure Apple would be very quick to point out that it was really a, a, well, it was an iPhone 5C or something like that. But that was out yeah. years ago. I mean, it's so old. I mean, all, all of their new encryption technologies and their fingerprinting and everything like that has all advanced so much that the FBI, their hackers and the Israelis all put together wouldn't be able to hack the new iPhone 6. That's I'm that's sure what Apple. That's what they would want. To that's tell exactly people. what they'll tell people. Exactly. Listen. Speaking of privacy and hacking and and, and government getting to your information and stuff like that, uh, we've had some movement on uh, the EU and data transfer between these big companies of uh, their customers' data between the EU and then leaving it in the states. And we had a uh, safe harbor was the agreement before, where data that was collected in the EU could be stored in the USA, provided that it was given the same level of privacy protection that it would enjoy in the EU. However, that all kind of fell apart because the Americans weren't really playing ball. And now we're looking at privacy shield, but it all is not going well. Yeah. And that's that's a really succinct um, uh, overview of what the, the problem is. I mean, Safe Harbor has been around since 2000 when the internet was a very different place, when data was a very different commodity. Now we have um, Safe Harbor being revisited and it's not called Safe Harbor anymore. We have what's called a privacy shield. And again, the idea is to reinvent this idea that as an EU citizen, your data is being treated with the same sensitivity uh, as it is, um, uh, even though it's processed in the United States, as if you're over here still, right? Now, personally, if I was looking to do business, if I was a startup in the States, I would immediately look for somewhere that has the most stringent data protection regulations and set up business there. 
because it is much harder to implement new standards than it is to row back on them, if you know what I mean. Uh, just go to somewhere that's really difficult to do business but logical about it. Um, what's kind of fascinating about this case is that all the data protection commissioners uh, have an umbrella group that has been advising Europe on uh, how the privacy shield is to work. And uh, they got together and they said, look, uh, this really isn't going to work. What you have at the moment isn't you know, a silver bullet. It's not a clear and succinct series of measures that will make sure that we are treated with equal respect over there as, you know, uh, as we would expect within the EU. What we have are a series of measures um, with a bunch of extra letters and addendum and appendices. And it's actually quite, quite difficult to navigate and it will leave itself open to interpretation. And ultimately, it's just not a very strong layer of protection for, uh, for consumers. So it's a bit of a, a cobbling together of all lots and lots of different bits of ideas and other legislation, that kind of thing. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly it. Now, the, the interesting, well, I don't want to say it's, it's still interesting because to a lot of people it's not. But uh, seeing as all the data protection um, uh, authorities came out and said, look, this, this actually isn't a particularly good piece of um, legislation that you want to bring in. It's not a good tool. It looks like they're going to appeal it to the European Court of Justice again. Uh, and again, the uh, European Court of Justice will have the final say as to whether this gets implemented or not. So I, Max Schrems look at it, looked at it and he said, yeah, it's not a very good measure. But if all the DPAs are looking to appeal against it, um, it may not even pass. Do you know, it, it's kind of silly because, you know, what we're talking about is, is that any data collected in the EU will have the same privacy protection uh, in the USA as if it was in the EU. That's it. We've summed it up in a sentence. Now, yeah. could you just put that into some kind of a law, please? All right, and uh, and not make too big a thing of it. Anyway, that's that's the privacy shield. We we'll keep an eye on that. It's going to rumble on for quite a while. Uh, I'm kind of sorry to hear about the news about BlackBerry uh, because I know they announced two new phones during the week, but I, uh, you know, I, these are going to be the last phones. BlackBerry's on the way out, and I think even BlackBerry know it. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there, there's been a couple of signposts along the way that BlackBerry is done in the hardware space, and it's very sad because I mean, for years. If you wanted a smartphone, you just bought a BlackBerry. BlackBerry and smartphone were synonymous with each other in the same way that the vacuum cleaner and the Hoover, mm. almost, you know? Um, and people were very fond of their BlackBerry. I mean, in the States, it took forever for people just to switch from Blackberries to an Android phone or an iPhone, um, partly because they were used to them for so long. They liked the physical keyboard, but also because of the secure messaging service, um, which got BlackBerry into trouble in a lot of countries around the world where there were particularly oppressive regimes. And they would be like, let us into your servers so we can see what people are saying over BlackBerry Messenger. And of course, they'd say no. And, and they were right to. But uh, as time has marched on, BlackBerry kind of, People wanted touchscreens, and BlackBerry just seemed quite dated. And uh, last year, they started bringing out their first Android phones. Um, it didn't work out for them. They brought out the Priv, which was uh, an Android phone with uh, a nice physical keyboard attached to it. It just seemed to be too expensive for the market they were pitching it at. Mm. Um, they wanted it to be a real business phone because that's ultimately where they see the future of their business, not in the consumer space, but uh, in the business space. Uh, and they're looking to sort of push secure software, secure messaging software, that kind of thing uh, into into enterprise. But um, the Priv didn't do well. It was $700 when it launched. It was just too too expensive. They mm. priced themselves out of the market. Now they've got two mid-range uh, Android-based phones that are coming out in the States. They're looking 
for the three hundred to four hundred dollar mark. That's that's unlocked, of course. Um, I can't see it happening. I think this is their last roll of the dice before they just go. Yeah, okay. Um, we wait Thank you. Thank you. Hardware it was good while it lasted. Well, listen. Speaking of phones, I have a, I have a bit of an interesting phone story of my own uh, this week to do with my little uh, uh, Samsung Galaxy, and it's uh, affecting a lot of people of the, the Galaxy Six, the Galaxy Five, the Galaxy Note. Da, 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 da. A lot of Galaxy users are getting a software update information message, which says, "Dear cut." Now, listen to this very carefully. All right. Okay. Dear customer. We recommend you to upgrade to new version of software for improving mobile's performance and security. Path, settings, device information, software update. To get the best from your device, please keep your phone up to date and regularly check for software updates. There's a lot of grammar in there. I mean, if you could actually see the words, you go, oh, hang on a minute, that's not how you spell recommend. <laughs> oh, that, that's usually a bit of a red flag, isn't it? Yes. However, there was no click this link to upgrade or anything like that. Now, of course, there was the OK button. And I was like, oh, I'm not pressing that. I'm just pressing the return button and going back. Um, and then I did a little bit of a, a search on the Internet. Now, just because I am the type, I decided to uh, hit OK and see what happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Uh, so anyway, I, I hope you backed up your phone before doing that. Uh, uh, yes, uh, it's backed up once a week. And okay. uh, basically, the software update app that I had is version 3.140911. All right. And it uses an APK called uh, Photo Client, which is a uh, free over the air client. All right. Mm-hmm. So that's what I had. Uh, when I pressed OK, all of a sudden I had a second software update app on my phone which had somehow moved from the disabled apps into the active apps, and I wasn't able to disable it, interestingly enough. Right. Um, also, the permissions on that app included making calls, sending text messages, accessing everything on the phone. It was like, and, and there was a whole, I mean, the minute you saw the permissions, you went, whoa! <laughs> It, it, it sounds uh, like it was basically ceding control of your phone completely. That that that's pretty much exactly what it was, and it wasn't even using the uh, uh, the photo client APK. It was using a completely different package uh, called WS Sync uh, MLN, I think it was. And I did a Google update for that, and all I found was uh, a load of dodgy Asian websites. And I went, "Whoa!" So fortunately, I had a titanium on the phone, and I was able to delete it and get everything back to normal, and everything seems to be okay. But uh, I'm quite sure. Uh, if you know somebody with a Samsung phone, please do tell them if they do get an information update, don't press it. And that's, I suppose, probably one of the reasons why you've got an iPhone now, because you don't have to worry about these things. Am I right? I don't have to worry oh, about that kind of thing see. ever. You see, there you go. <laughs> Grant, <laughs> listen, that's it. That's the news for this week. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. Now, we decided, uh, Niall and myself, that we were going to put a, a couple of different topics into our hat and just chat about one because we rarely get to sit back and actually have a talk about, you know, just general things. And what came up was robots. Yeah, now we, we actually ended up having a little bit of a discussion about what exactly we would consider a robot in the first place. Because, you know, Facebook and, and Microsoft were all about, you know, the future is bots, the future is bots. And when we were talking about doing robots first, you were like, well, what about, you know, Siri or Cortana or even sort of the autopilot in an airplane? You mm. know, are, are we going to consider these robots as well? And uh, I, I think we came to the agreement that 
if something uses artificial intelligence and has a ro- and has a body, therefore it's a robot. Yeah. All right. Well, then, by that definition, I would say that the uh, the Tesla car is a is a uh, is a robot because it it has a mind, it makes decisions of its own, uh, it is able to auto drive you on a motorway, and it has a body. Okay. Right. Okay. Going by that definition, I will allow it. But uh, thankfully, we're we're extending things to popular culture as well. But I tell you what. I tell you what, though, where the uh, Tesla might not qualify is in the goal of being self-aware. Do you oh. think robots have a goal of being self-aware? You see, now we're going to start talking about Skynet, aren't we? Because uh, <laughs> I think that's inevitable. But yeah. anyway, um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of, we're, we're talking about robots and that's kind of, you know, a brain, a body. And do you remember Asimov's three laws of robots? I never actually read them, but uh, I saw them. It was the it was the movie uh, iRobot uh, based on that, wasn't it? Well, he had a novel called iRobot, yeah, and mm. I, I gathered the the movie was loosely based on it. All right, mm. but uh, you know, for for those who don't know, the three laws are: a robot cannot harm, or by mission of action, allow a human being to be harmed. Uh, a robot must always obey a human command, and a robot must protect itself, must protect its own existence so long as doing so does not contravene the first two laws. So there you go. That's that's the robot code. That's what they're meant to live by. And actually, that goes back to, when did Asimov write that? Oh, goodness, 1920s? Oh, right, okay, yeah, well, that explains everything. I'm, because I'm immediately thinking of, do you remember that movie, The Day the Earth Stood Still? And I'm not talking about the Keanu Reeves one. I'm talking no. about the one from the 50s, way before that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and Gort was the big robot in that, and he was, you know, kind of whatever, 10 feet tall. And uh, But his first uh, uh, rule was he could not harm human beings, or he could not harm his master mm, as yeah. a human being. Hmm, interesting. Do you, do you remember, just as, as trivia, do you remember the three words that uh, that would make him stop and stop doing anything, basically? Oh, cr- oh no, now you're... D- oh, but, oh, there's a great story behind this and it's been used in all kinds of things and those three words have been used in movie credits for other science fiction movies and I can't remember what they are. Go on, what are they? Okay, they are Klaatu, Verata, Niktu. Plato, Verata, Nick too. And I do remember somewhere in, in like Star Trek or something, one of the characters, they, they were three characters' names. <laughs> as, as a little nod, you know, kind of, of, of respect, so to speak, like, you know. Mm. Um, uh, yes, they, they, they were the three. Wiki that after you've listened to the podcast and you get some, uh, some good stories with that. The other one, uh, one of the first robots I think I ever saw, one of the first science fiction movies I ever saw was Forbidden Planet. Speaking of really bad 50s science fiction, <laughs> movies uh, but I thought it was it was brilliant and the robot I mean when I look back at pictures of that robot now uh, what was it uh, Robbie the robot wasn't it Robbie the robot when I look back on pictures now and you just go oh my god but I, in my defence you know, it was an old movie being shown on because we only had RT1 and BBC1 at the time. And um, and I was a little boy in my dressing gown and my pyjamas <laughs> back, back a long time ago. And I just thought it was so cool. That's what I think of when I when I think of robots. It's a humanoid metal thing. It's a clunker. Yeah. It's a clunker. What do you think of? Uh, okay, my, my own favourite robots in general. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Well, I got I got three that that always sort of come to mind, and they're they're kind of variations on a theme. Um, the first one I want to talk about, and and it actually speaks to our original point over sort of a, a consciousness and a body, is uh, Proteus Four from the film Demon Seed. Uh, and this is because I specifically did not want to talk about HAL 9000. What's interesting about Proteus 4 is that this is uh, an AI that controls a household, right? Uh, but over the course of the film, it, uh, it uh, creates its own little minion to go and, and do things that it wants to, become its, its arms and all that sort of thing. Uh, and ultimately, it manages to transfer its consciousness into a human body. Sorry, massive spoiler alert there. <laughs> but it's quite an old film. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it, I saw it in my like, mid-teens on Channel 4, and it only got a DVD release in 2005. Mm. So it's, it's been knocking around for a while. Judy Christie is in it. It's one of these kind of, if you were to see it and there'd be big marketing around it, you know, it's probably a three-star movie. Mm. But if you were to watch it, you go, actually, there's, there's some nice... There's some nice ideas in there. It's, it's actually worth watching. If you come to it on your own terms and nobody's around and you don't have justified, it's a four-star movie. Uh, if you watch it with someone, it's a yeah, three-star movie. Yeah, or less. Uh, one of the first movies I remember, science fiction movies I remember watching, it was more horror movie than anything else. It was about an asteroid that crashed down to Earth and then this, uh, uh, this uh, it was called The Blob. Because that's essentially what it was. It was just this blob of goo that wandered around a town eating everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I could not sleep for a week after seeing this, but it kind of got me into the whole science fiction thing. But you know, the the annoying thing is, you know, the day the Earth stood still, or Forbidden Planet, um, uh, or even the Blob. All those kind of a terrible, terrible fifties science fiction movies. They're not even on Netflix, <laughs> and and they really should be. Exactly, they should. What about the more modern? Because I suppose you know, robots and pop culture. I'm immediately thinking of, you know, movies. Um, yeah. And Terminator, I suppose, has to be the most famous of them. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, there, when, when you come down to sort of the idea of the, the Geppetto-like android, if you will, mm. I mean, there really is only one candidate in television for that, isn't there? Who's that? Uh, that that'd be Lieutenant Data or Lieutenant Commander Data <laughs> in um, Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah. And, and he, he really is the perfect prototype, wide-eyed and ignorant but incredibly good at everything else in life, kind of um, kind of character. If you like, if you were to do an android character, I mean, he is he is the gold standard, if you will. Um, but there have been plenty of other um, uh, executions along that team as well. I mean, if you look at the Cylons in Battlestar Galactica, they they have a similar kind of innocence to them. Although what makes them really interesting is the fact that they have this spiritual side. That you know, on one level. They are a product of technology and reason, and yet they still have this belief in something greater than themselves. And for my money, the most interesting part of the of the Cylons is um, the hybrids, which are sort of the part human, part ship robots yeah. that are actually in charge of uh, of managing the um, their base star ships. If I'm not mistaken, there was a model of Cylon that was uh, specifically designed. For love. <laughs> well, they they were all pretty good at it, as I remember. <laughs> and, and, and that's where you get your crossbreed between the you know, the the robots and and the humans. Uh, oh well, my what, goodness! Well, what is interesting about the hybrids, and you know, is the fact that they see the running of the ship almost mm. in spiritual terms. 
So, now, do you know what? That's uh, one, of, one of the sorry, getting slightly off robots, but, but it's very much on science fiction in general with books and movies and stuff like that. One of my favorite books, one of my favorite movies is Contact, um, which was a uh, Jodie Stewart Foster or sorry, uh, Jodie Foster was the was the uh, lady who starred in it with Matthew yeah. McConaughey, and it was written by Carl Sagan. That's it. The name mm. would come to mind for a second. And the overwrite that is it. Never mind science fiction. That is such a religious movie. Why are we here? Who put us here? What happens if we suddenly discover we're not the only ones? Does that blow the whole idea of God out of existence? Or do we just come up with another explanation for all that kind of stuff? Like that, I thought it was an amazing movie. Yeah, and, and it's, science fiction is really at its best when it manages to merge sort of the practicalities of doing something like that mm. with the, the overarching philosophy. I think Arthur C. Clarke was absolutely brilliant at that kind of thing, wasn't he? Yeah. That, that you know, he... He, if you look at a book like Rendezvous with, with uh, Rama, Rama. <laughs> and it's it's like there's the thing and we have to go and explore the thing and the thing has its own internal rules and they make sense. Uh, and mm. then, but what does the thing actually mean for the rest of us? They, and that's exactly the theme of Childhood Ends. It's a TV show on Sky at the moment, but I'm reading the book instead, uh, Arthur C. Clarke. And it's exactly the same kind of theme. It's funny. Whereas not that kind of a theme, I don't think, is The Matrix. Or is it? Or is it? Yeah, you see, you, Actually, you, you know classify oh, the, the Matrix as a, as a robot film, and and I slightly disagree. But anyway, your argument is uh, well. It's not that my argument. What I'm saying is that it's a, an artificial machine-like intelligence. Um, which is controlling human beings. That's what the whole Matrix is about. And the, ma- the human beings are fighting back. Yep. Okay. If you want to look at it that way. Um, personally, I, well, I, I would look at it as being more of a, a virtual reality construct that isn't controlled by one particular machine. <laughs> I know we're getting into semantics, stuff here. It's not a pleasant place what, to be. Do you know what we've already wandered off from? from uh, uh, listen, so out of all the robots that you've ever seen or whatever, what's your favourite? Pick one. Okay, uh, I'm going to go slightly more traditional and come down with Bishop from Aliens. Oh, very good. What is, what is interesting about Bishop as a character mm. is that he, he is actually quite pure, but because of the baggage Ripley brings with her from mm. the original Alien and the character of Ash, that she immediately projects those same values onto Bishop, that he will be underhanded. And it really sets up his character for the rest of the film, that because he's a bit of an oddball, is this because, you know, he's an android and he hasn't quite developed a, a good approximation of people, uh, people's skills and behavior? Or is he actually a bit shifty? And it really gives you that. Uh, it's a nice bit of setup that carries with a bit of tension through to the, the final act of the film. Uh, I, I've always found him quite an endearing character as well. I think Lance Henriksen was just as fantastic in that role. All right. Well, I'm going to go completely the opposite and mention one of the people that I said at the very start, which would be the Tesla car. <laughs> <laughs> I've been looking at the videos nonstop on YouTube and they are just amazing. People sitting in their back seat as the car is self-driving itself. It's insane. You've got to check it out, all right? Listen, that is uh, about it for our show for this week. Now, before we go, uh, we always have one more thing at the end of the show, one story that we just couldn't squeeze into our news segment earlier. What is it for this week? 
Yeah, we didn't get around to talking about it in our news roundup, but go on to techcentral.ie. There's news about Netflix, a price increase, and even better sound and vision quality. But of course, we're not getting it in Ireland for a while. All right, okay. You get more on that and all of the uh, Irish tech news with hourly updates, daily newsletters, and more from techcentral.ie, as well as our weekly tech radio show online and every Friday at 6 o'clock on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next week, from myself, Dusty, and from now, thanks for listening. Take care. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.